Hello, everybody, and welcome to part two of the Real Life Oscar Challenges look at the 2010 Academy Awards. As always, I'm your host, Mike Levito. I'm Lars Emerson. I'm Kathleen Levito. And we're coming to you quarantined from Washington, D.C. We are um, not under quarantine. No. no. We're social distancing. We are. Being it, responsible adults. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, it's not... So then people are fighting against social distancing because they're like, you can still be social, you just can't be like physically social. That describes sure. my entire life. <laughs> yeah. I've been doing social distancing for years. It's the <laughs> joke everyone made right after they, that, that, that word came out. Anyway, um, if you listened to the last episode, you heard us talk about the first alphabetical half of the nominated films for this year uh, that included... Uh, 127 Hours, Black Swan, The Fighter, Inception, and The Kids Are Alright. Today we will be going with the second half of that list, which is The King's Speech, The Social Network, Toy Story 3, True Grit, and Winter's Bone. So, without further ado, let's jump right in and start things off with The King's Speech, directed by Tom Hooper, written by David Seidler, Starring Colin Firth, Jeffrey Rush, Helena Bonham Carter, Guy Pierce, Timothy Spall, Derek Jacoby, Jennifer Eel, and Michael Gambon. Uh, the King's Speech is the story of the man who would become King George VI, but who was otherwise known as Bertie, um, the Duke of York. He is the son of King George V, but he has a terrible stutter that he's had since childhood, um, which makes life as a royal and a public speaker very difficult. And it's only a compounded difficulty when his older brother, who does become king, wants to marry a divorced American, which is not allowed, basically because she's not British and she's divorced. Which is, I always assumed the whole point of the Church of England was to allow for divorce, which is why King Henry, like Henry VIII founded it, because the Pope wouldn't grant him divorce, but whatever. Well, and I like how they point out in the movie, it's like, the king is the king of the church. Yeah. It's like, well, apparently not, because yeah. the church is telling him what to do. Yeah. Anyway, so he, he he's, he's pressed into kingdom um, and has to deliver a speech um about the start of world war ii and he 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 sort of helps wrangle his stammer um through this relationship he has with a speech therapist played by jeffrey rush um yes um so yeah i i'll start on this what i'll say about this movie is that i feel like it gets ragged on a lot for beating like other movies this that came out this year um, and not being as good as, say, The Social Network or Inception. And I don't know that th- that it is better than Social Network or Inception. And, like, it is very, it's a very typical Oscar story. But it's also, like, a really well-executed and really well-told Oscar story. Like, this is a good movie. Um, it hits the very, like, Oscar-y beats, but, like, it's good. Like, um, Colin Firth is really good. The story itself is, like, very powerful, right? It's about this guy who was essentially abused as a child um, and who's carried that scar with him to adulthood and who really doesn't want to be king it seems and is very reluctant to do so and really is just kind of in a situation where he has a very public persona but he has no actual power and yet he's there's lots expected of him he has to rise to the occasion um uh, resolving that i think it looks really interesting i think it has a really interesting look to it like you know it's clearly filmed in the way that it's supposed to mimic the sort of like the way he felt constrained and kind of uh you know, constricted. Um, it. I was saying. I was saying after we watched it, like it kind of reminded me of Mr. Robot a little bit, the visual style, where people who are talking aren't really in the center of the frame; they're kind of off to the side, 
how he uses, they're not quite fisheye lenses, but like these high angle, these, these shots from the ground that make sort of uh, dimensions look a little distorted. Um, and just like the, the like fogginess and like kind of like griminess of like 30s England, um, I found was really uh, interesting from an art direction standpoint. So yeah, this is like, like I said, super oscar but like, and like maybe not the most exciting best picture of all time, but like it's a, it's a good movie. I agree, Michael. <laughs> um, yeah, I actually think it is way better made than it gets credit for. Mm. Um, as I, I think people just kind of like, oh, well, it shouldn't have won, so they kind of brush it off. Um, but I'm like, maybe it should have won. Like, it is like actually pretty well done. Mm. Um, like, you know, it, it's pretty, it's pretty tight. It keeps it kind of together, and it's like you said, it's very powerful, and it's like it's actually just well made. Um, I think the acting's mostly pretty good. I think it gets like a little silly it gets like like grandma humory in parts yeah, it's like yeah. when they're like where he's like well curse you, you don't serve any curses yeah. like oh shit 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 yeah, it's yeah. like that's very like oh my grandma would find that hilarious <laughs> exactly yeah um, yeah or like what he's and, like he's, dancing about yeah it's, he's like shaking around like yeah. loosening his jaw or whatever um but like it's just like i guess that's fun mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like it's like oh yeah that's fun mm-hmm. um but it is it is it is very well made. I assume we'll get to... Oh, Kathleen. I would say this movie is, like, delightful. Um, I... We saw it in theaters, I recall. Mm-hmm. Michael and I saw it in theaters. And I I have a tendency to have, like, a lot of my, like, taste on things. Like, I'll like, just kind of, like, follow the crowd. I don't want to be judged if I like something that other people dislike. Um, with a few exceptions. Um, which is something that I'm working on in myself. But anyway, but I remember, like, seeing the movie, and I don't remember, like, my first impression of it, because it was one of those things that my family was probably just like, we're seeing this tonight, and I was like, okay, we're seeing this tonight. But I remember, like, afterwards, people being like, oh, it shouldn't have won, and stuff, and then I'm like, I had the impression that it wasn't that great of a movie. It's great. Like, it's so <laughs> delightful. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it does feel a little grandma humory, especially because, like, the story itself is just kind of, like, cute and silly. Like, mm-hmm. there's no tension at all like it's not go war movie it's not like not yet i mean not yet like it builds up to world war two um but it's not like you know it's not like life or death on the line it's nothing like that um it's just like this guy needs to give a speech and he has a stutter and it's just about like working with that which is just kind of like a interesting little like snippet of a life to show but it's just, like, I think everyone acted, like, really well. I feel like things looked nice. Lars doesn't think everybody acted The Churchill well. actor is, like, kind of over the top, oh. and it's kind of great. Oh, I didn't realize that was supposed to be Churchill until, like, the last five <laughs> minutes of the movie. He looks a lot like a, he looks very much like a bulldog. Yeah. I remember before I even saw this, my friends, I was like, the guy who they have to play Churchill, like, my God. Yeah, I think that's the <laughs> bad. Timothy Spall, by the way, Peter Pettigrew and Harry Potter. And also, Maury... Dick to playing rats. ...in our favorite movie, Secrets and Lies. Um, <laughs> I feel like he can't really play a serious character just because he is so... Rat-y. Yeah. No offense to him. Like, I think that's great. Maybe he just looks like... He, he looks like an animal all the time. He looks like a rat or he looks like a bulldog. Yeah. Um, so... I don't know. I think it's good. That's kind of what I have to... Like, it made me happy. And mm. I think especially, like... With the week we've all been having with, like, coronavirus, everything shut down, like, stress, like, there's a lot of just, like, 
most conversations have been kind of stressful or stuff. Like, it was just, like, a good, like, movie to watch where it was just kind of wholesome and nice and, like, but not, like, a Hallmark movie. Like, it was mm-hmm. well done. Yeah. It just, it was, like, a good, like, and it's short. It's, like, mm-hmm. short and sweet. So you can just kind of, like, watch it when you need a little pick-me-up and it's not going to take your entire day. Like, it's just good. I enjoy it. It's very much about a man, like, rising to the challenge. Yeah. And, I, and I think, like, I do think it's, like, somewhat serious, sort of. It, like, gets serious in kind of the last act. Mm-hmm. But, like, there is, like, I do, like, there's, like, the recurring, like, Hitler character in the background that they keep talking about. It's like, oh, but Hitler will take care of it. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. oh, no, he won't. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and like Churchill and um, Chamberlain. Chamberlain are like the characters in the mm. background. And it's like, there's, it's like hinting, it's like building. Yeah. Kind of quietly and softly. Um, I have a tirade about the last scene, but like, do you want to say anything first? Um, I, I, I don't think I want to say anything, no. It, it's like very. Um, I think Jeffrey Rush is good in this movie too. I think he's he's like pretty funny and, and like charming. Um, I didn't realize that he has an Australian accent in this movie, but apparently everyone in this movie understands that he does have an Australian accent. Yeah, um, he just sounded British to me, but that you know who knows. Um, I'm sure Americans and Canadians sound the same to British people. Uh, but yeah, I, we'll, we'll go go on your tirade about the final. Well, you made me think. So we watched Michael and I were watching The West Wing recently, and there's like the episode with like the therapist. Mm. And he's like, I am, the, I am the only one who's not going to think of you as the president. Mm. And it's like, that's kind of the Jeffrey Rush yeah, yeah, relationship yeah, yeah. in this, too. It's like, yeah. I'm going to call you Bertie. You are not going to be, like, the king mm. or the prince. You're just, like, a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, so he's able to, like, actually handle it by treating him like a human instead of, like, mm. a god. Mm-hmm. Um, so the thing that I think, like, really seals this movie for me um, is, like, the last scene where actually the titular scene where he gives his speech. Um and so it's like he goes into the like soundproof booth with uh, the voice coach, um, and, it's, and it's like the song starts playing. It's like Beethoven's. Uh, it's the Allegretto from Beethoven's Seventh Symphony, um, and this is like so perfect. I just have to go. I, I had a piano teacher taught me like classical music a lot, and like she saw this movie at the same time I saw this movie. She like told me all about this scene, and it's like awesome. Um, so it's like the music just like builds and like stumbles over itself, like the way it's written. And it's very like soft and like shy about it. Um, uh, and it's like, it's like anticipation and like building and like melancholy, but it has this like huge expectation of greatness. Um, uh, and it's like Beethoven had like composed this in like the 1800s. And it's like, uh, eventually became this like British rallying cry against Napoleon or like in victory against Napoleon. Um, but, like, while I would concede that using, like, a German composer song in the scene <laughs> is, like, a little ironic, um, it's, like, the nervous to, like, confident progression is, like, the perfect, like, song to pick for this. Mm. And it, like, flows, like, it's, like, as he actually gets his voice and starts to, like, speak, like, without the stutter, um, it's, like, it's, like, building. It's, like, it's just, like, ooh, it just hits, like, so well. That's, like, a five-star scene in an otherwise, like, four, four-and-a-half-star movie. Yeah. That's, that's very and, I, I didn't know that about the music. And then, and then, and then he's like done. So he goes out and he waves to the people for like a weirdly long time. And he keeps mm. going, Hoo-hoo, Hoo-hoo. <laughs> um, and it's like, uh, Jeffrey Rush is like in the background, just kind of like seeing this like glimpse mm. of like what that life is going to be like. Mm. 
I just I, I think the like last act of this movie is so good. Yeah. The 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 I don't know the fact like I, I, I was reading and apparently like there's some historians like yeah there was no crowd outside like after he gave that speech like people were like scared and at home because it was like it wasn't like a celebratory thing people were like oh we're gonna go to war yeah. for the second time in thirty years um, twenty years really uh, <clears throat> so that's kind of weird but like yeah no I I think it's it it hits its like beats really well. And, you know, it's like there's a reason why kind of the Oscar formula is the Oscar formula. It's because, you know, it there's a lot of, like, bad imitators, but every once in a while it turns out something that's, like, really good and deserving. Yeah. Um, I think this just round of movies in general made me appreciate, like, editing. Because I feel like we'll get to this when we talk about some other movies on the list, namely The Social Network. Mm-hmm. But I, it made me realize, like, oh, you can take, like, an average story or, like, a story that you like you may not be that interested in. Like, the real difference between that being, like, a bummer of a movie and a really good, like, enjoyable movie can be just, like, how it's edited mm-hmm. and how it's, like, how it progresses. And I think that this movie just, like, progresses well. Because I could see someone doing this just movie poorly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a story that actually doesn't get told a lot, mm-hmm. which is weird because it's, like, a great story. Mm-hmm. So, good job. Yeah. Like, this is a great story for anyone who has like stage fright yeah this is like great like this should be told like to Mm. kids in theater and stuff i don't know well the guy who wrote it david seidler like had a stutter himself um i had been trying to get this movie made since like the 70s um and he he wrote it as a screenplay and someone's like this seems like more of a play so then he wrote as a play people were like this seems like more of a movie so then he made it into a movie um and uh then you know, obviously, ended up getting picked up by uh, Tom Hooper, it's and very they made it. Awesome. It I is. You can just share this with your kids, you know. This movie was, uh, if we're done talking about it, it was nominated for twelve Academy Awards, the most of the night. Uh, it was nominated for editing, costume design, art direction, sound mixing, original score. It won original screenplay. Helena Bonham Carter was nominated for best supporting actress. Jeffrey Rogers nominated for best supporting actor. Colin Firth won for best actor. Tom Hooper won for Best Director, and it, of course, won Best Picture. Moving on now to The Social Network, as you alluded to, Kathleen, uh, directed by David Fincher, written by Aaron Sorkin, based on the book The Accidental Billionaires by Ben Mesrick, starring Jesse Eisenberg, Andrew Garfield, Justin Timberlake, Army Hammer, and Max Minghella. Social Network is the story of the founding of Facebook by Mark Zuckerberg, Eduardo Saverin and kind of in the background there, Dustin Moskowitz. Um, it, it begins, it, it sort of, it, it, it's told in this kind of in, in Medieras uh, fashion where uh, Mark Zuckerberg is facing two lawsuits, one from the Winklevoss twins or Winklevi, who accuse him of essentially stealing their idea for a Facebook-like site, and then Eduardo Saverin, um, who is suing him because he was screwed out of his shares of Facebook, essentially. Um, and through the deposition scenes, it takes you back to um, you know, the founding of the company and its its rise from kind of the Harvard campus up into like Silicon Valley and so on and so forth. And, and the bridges, many bridges Mark Zuckerberg burned along the way. He's a great visionary. <laughs> um, Kathleen, I feel like you were the most social network skeptical coming into this. Yeah, I've seen this movie before. I don't, I didn't remember liking it. 
I also just like don't like Mark Zuckerberg as a person. Like what? Just... <laughs> He's so affable. And I just like didn't want to watch a movie about someone who was just like inconsiderate and cold and like diving and like that kind of thing. Um, but while I detest him as a person, um, I do think that this movie is done really well. Like it, it takes what could be just like. And I, I don't even like things that, like, jump back and forth. Like, how Michael was saying, like, there's the deposition scenes and then they jump back to, like, things moving in progression. Um, I don't like stuff like that, typically. I find it very, like, irritating. Um, but I think it works really well in this movie. They do it really well. So I think my comments on this movie is that, like, it's just tight. It's good. Like, I feel like this movie could have had a lot of information and a lot of scenes in it that would have just been, like, fluffy and... Um, just make things drag and provide, like, unnecessary context and stuff. But I feel like there was enough, like, story to make it move, progress at, like, a good pace. But there's also enough, like, periphery stuff to build out the characters. Like, I mm-hmm. feel like every character was fairly taken care of. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what was the movie? Like, Inception. You're talking about how a lot of those supporting characters don't have a lot of, like, personality. Mm. I mean, like, they have them, but there's no, like... They don't have their own storylines, mm. where I feel like we actually have the evidence for every single character that's in this movie that, like, really matters. Um, so I, I was pleased with it. I think the editing is good. I feel like the soundtrack's good. Um, yeah. I was pleased with it. Cool. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I feel like it, it kind of, like, cracks a little bit of, like, an exposition code where, like, it's able to use the sort of, like, framing device of the depositions to kind of be like, well, this is when we moved to California yeah. and this is when we did that. And, like, it, it gives you that in, like, five seconds and then it adds all the sort of, like, texture and important stuff later yeah. on. I, what was the, the Nixon movie? Frost Nixon. That, that I feel like it's that really poorly. yeah. Yeah, yeah, where it was like the fake mockumentary. Yeah. Um, there's also a thing that Goodfellas does very well with the voiceover and then showing you what actually happens. And actually, you would say most Martin Scorsese's do really well. Um, yeah, no, this this movie, like, there's no, I don't feel like there's a wasted scene. Yeah. And it it's it's just really well. And Lars and I've been watching a lot of The West Wing lately, and it's just so weird to me how much of a departure this feels from The West Wing. West Wing is, like, a pretty, like, hopeful show. Not Like, it has its serious and dark moments, but, like, it's a hopeful show. Um, you know, it, it's kind of uplifting, I think. It, you know, it's meant to be about, like, good people who want to do a good job. Whereas The Social Network is about, like, this very, like, <laughs> resentful dude who's just, like, playing out his different, like, resentments and anxieties in the real world. I wonder what happened to Aaron Sorkin in, like, the mid-2000s, because I feel like he's taken a turn. Yeah, I don't know. And there's part of me that, like, I, I feel like David, I, like, I don't know, like, there are a lot of people who don't like Aaron Sorkin because he has these kind of, like, ticks he uses a lot in the screenwriting and, like, is very, very fond of monologues and stuff. Um, but I feel like David Fincher probably was a lot to, like, elevate the script, which I think the script's really well-structured and well-written, mm-hmm. as we were talking about. Um, but, like... We, we can talk about, like, specific scenes more, but, like, this movie's just, like, so prescient. And so people talk about, like, one of the best movies of the 2010s, but, like, it honestly, like, predicted, I feel like, kind of a lot and saw kind of, like, what was going on with, like, 
like what what Facebook like kind of actually meant and what its popularity actually meant, and a lot of it played out over the course of the next ten years. I have prescient underlined mm-hmm. in my like notes here. Yeah, um, I I've like kind of argued for a while that like this and The Big Short are like the two best films about the twenty first century. Um, this it is so like it just does it so well. Like this is so. Um, it's like it's way more important now than when it came out. Like kind of mm-hmm. no, it's yeah, like, yeah. This movie may be like the definitive movie of like the two thousands. Like <laughs> all of them. Like until mm-hmm. two thousand one hundred, and I would be like, I would believe that. It's just so. Um, it's like everything a best picture should be. It's like timeless, important, and it's made so well. Mm-hmm. Um, like I actually have my like. <laughs> I have, like, no nitpicks with this movie. My one might be that Jesse Eisenberg is, like, too human. Yeah. <laughs> but I was watching, yeah. like, for work, I had to watch... Um, Mark Zuckerberg was inter- interviewing Dr. Fauci, like, the, mm-hmm. or the yeah. National Association of Infectious Disease guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, it, I, like, saw it. Like, mm-hmm. it was, like, a more, like, personal setting. So mm-hmm. I kind of... It was not when he's, like, testifying before Congress where he's, like, a robot. So I, like, I kind of got it more. Yeah. Anyway, I have like no nitpicks with this. It's also Justin Timberlake's best movie. I don't really like him, but I know you guys do. <laughs> um, yeah, I just it's like it tells. It's like the perfect like um, like encapsulation of like what we all like tripped on when mm. we entered this century. It's like we exited the nineties. We're like things are looking good. Everything's gonna be fine. <laughs> Um, and it's like, no, it turns out the world is so much more complicated than you thought. There's terrorism, there's the internet, there's like monsters out there, financial system is like incredibly complicated, it's all going to come crashing down, and like, here you go. And like, this movie just captures one part of that so well. I think what I like to like, that was a good point, Lars. So not to (laughs) minimize that. But I think the thing that I liked is that, like, it shows kind of, like, the truth behind Facebook of, like, the users. Mm -hmm. Where a lot of it is just, like, people aren't using it just to, like, I don't know. It's like, why are you using it? Because you're basically checking out people that you think are cute. Mm -hmm. No. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it was a very honest, like, telling of Facebook. And, like, it makes sense because it's, like, it's something that, like... A corporation didn't make. It's not mm. like a corporation was like twenty year olds, like twenty to twenty five year olds need a product that X, Y, and Z. It's like someone who was actually living that and was like, I just got dumped. I want to be able to like stalk the person that just dumped me. Like, you know, it, it's a very like honest depiction of what Facebook is used for. Mm-hmm. Um, for like finding people that you just like met at a concert one time. Or, like, that person in your class, are they dating someone? Or, like, you need to, like, message that one weirdo to find out the, ge- like, your geometry homework or whatever. Like, <laughs> I don't know what adults use guy. it for, but, like, whatever. Please. Um, but, yeah. I, I feel like we're talking in very... I've noticed a trend in this podcast. Yeah. It's like we talk in very broad strokes about a movie when we like decide it's like groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. And I think we're doing that here. It's mm-hmm. like this movie is just like a mo- the movie. It's like yeah. the most important movie. Da, da, da. Um, which is not to say 
that there are not like there are just so many individual moments to pull. Right. Like, the the yeah. racing scene is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I just feel, so well. The made. the part where he's developing like the or like the they call it face smash. When he's got the when it's it's like the hot or not thing basically yeah. Yeah. like that scene is so well made because like not only does it have like this really like propulsive exciting score and it is like it's like sort of like you you get to like sort of be inside his like his his like racing mind as he's like well I need to build out this algorithm blah 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 also this chick is a bitch blah 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 yeah. blah um but it all it like by cross cutting that with sort of like the finals club's party is this really great juxtaposition of like old world sexism versus new world sexism where it's just like oh look at these dudes who are like herding these women into buses and then like having them make out at this party and dance like topless like isn't this gross and it's like oh look at this dude who's not around any women at all but is just in his dorm room and is like writing really bilist stuff about his ex-girlfriend and then also just like creating this like misogynistic game that like you know, I think people probably thought of as, like, harmless at the time, right? Yeah. Um, but it turns out as, like, really... And I think, like, really, for, like, most of the, like... At least the first half of, the, like, the 2010s, I think people were, like... That that tone, I think, was, like, very pervasive, like, across, like, the internet. Not even in, like, the dark corners of Reddit, but I think even on, like, you know, certain more... Like, just, like, general, like, blogs and stuff. It, it, was, a, it was a more, like, leering and kind of sexist time... That I this this kind of like this suggests it's almost like that this was the origin of it, or at least that it gave voice to this kind of attitude. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's like, what do you talk about, Michael? When like, like um, people who find themselves in like like communities of like toxic toxic masculinity, like they'll find it on the internet because like they're hurt by something. So they'll go online and complain about it, mm-hmm. and then they find all these people who agree with them, right? And then they just like fester and perpetuate everyone else's like beliefs and like harmful beliefs where it's like kind of the same thing where it's Mm -hmm. like all these people existed who are practicing this behavior and then someone gave them a platform where they can do it from their own bedrooms yeah and like oh god i was just saying i also think this movie's like really funny yeah Mm -hmm. um the like they they, like poke at harvard in a very Mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah fun Mm -hmm. but like i feel like accurate way right where it's like none of the people who go there actually think that they're like, I, I feel like Harvard students don't actually think that they're better than everyone else. That's mm. Yale students. <laughs> um, but like they do kind of, and so they're just like, or they think they should be, so they're like, oh, well that's not the Harvard way. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's the scene where, they're, where the, the Winklevoss are debating whether or not to to sue Mark Zuckerberg, and it's like, no, we're not going to do that. It's like, why? He goes, because we're gentlemen of Harvard. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, no one really talks like that, but, like, you might, in a way. Uh, and, and, they, and they try to use the honor code to, like, go after him, and the dean of the school is just like, why? Like, I yeah, was, yeah. I was like, secretary of the treasury. I really don't care about this. Yeah. And I also think, like, it, it gives a, two, like, good two perspectives on Harvard. It's, like, the nerds who got in for their academic prowess, who, you know want to go to all the parties and be the cool kid and, like, are struggling to do that. But, like, they're, like, smart and nerdy and socially awkward. And then it's, like, the people who got in there because they have legacy. Mm. And that's, like, the Winklevosses. So it's, like, you have those two different, like, cartoonish personalities Mm. playing out throughout the movie. And that's what I think is so good about the racing scene, right? Is it's, like, they're playing checkers while Mark Zuckerberg plays chess. It's, like, they're involved in this, like, very... They're, like, this purely man-powered behavior. This, like, weird tradition of, like a Harvard rowing team going against, like, a Dutch national team or whatever, and all these, like, British people being like, oh, go on now, chaps, and, like, even show them, like, there's not even, like, an electronic tracker, right? It's someone who's physically has, like, a board 
who's like trying to estimate how far away they are from the other boat. And while they're doing that, Facebook is launching in Europe. Yeah. And it's like, it's just, it's like, it's like they're kind of on this hamster wheel or like hamster rowboat of, of like the old way where it's like Mark Zuckerberg's like, nah, fuck you. I found a new way to do things. Um, and I think it plays out too when they go to the dean and they're like, "We're gonna tell on you." Yeah. And then Marcus like, was like, "I'm just gonna do what I'm gonna do." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna deny everything you say. But and that's like so. It's like such a good. I don't even know if it's a. Med- it's just kind of parallelism. Parallelism for what really happened is this like sort of more new Silicon Valley mindset of just like we're gonna create our thing and there aren't actually any like regulations or laws, so you are too late and yeah. they just do it. And the government's like, Oh, fudge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we probably, I mean, we had no idea you could do this. And now we really don't know what to do because it's too late. And now it's here forever. And mm-hmm. here we go. Hope the Russians don't get on it. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Really good movie. Yeah. I would it's say okay. so. <laughs> are, are we social networked out? I think so. I think we should watch it again. I I I, 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 I still had so this was a DVD I had to borrow from the library. The library is closed until the end of April, so I still have the DVD. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So the Social Network uh, it won for best editing. Um, it's a good call, Kathleen. It was nominated for cinematography. It does. Remember that one shot where it looks like Twin Peaks, where it's like behind like the 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 uh, the gym or whatever, yeah. or behind like the 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 frat house. I don't know. I just saw that because it was nominated for cinematography. Um, nominated for sound mixing, one for original score, uh, one for adapted screenplay. Jesse Eisenberg was nominated for best actor. David Fincher was nominated for best director, and it was nominated for best picture. I, I do feel like it starts to look like movies have started to look. Like I feel like you and I have talked about like the Netflix look and how mm-hmm. like House of Cards, like everything kind of looks like House of Cards now. Mm-hmm. Like this movie looks like that. Yeah. We're like catch. We're we're there. We're about yeah. to get there. Yeah. What does that look look like? It's like everything. They're like. T- tight corners and it's like it, it's got to be something with the camera right because mm-hmm. it's like everything is just very like as is and it's like the the tones are more like earth toned as opposed to the like normal like grainy hollywood well, very blue color palettes yeah too. right yeah um and it's just like very like, like um, straight i would say such as riverdale the tv show Yes. Yes. No, I, yeah, I would agree. And Riverdale looks like Twin Peaks. Yeah. It rips off Twin Peaks. So, yeah. All right. First Riverdale reference on the podcast. Hopefully Um, only. All right. Let's move on now to a movie that involved no cameras, Toy Story 3, directed by Lee Unkrich, written by Michael Arndt, story by John Lasseter, Andrew Stanton, and Lee Unkrich, starring Tom Hanks, Tim Allen, Joan Cusack, Don Rickles, Wallace Shawn, John Ratzenberger, Estelle Harris, Blake Clark, Jeff Pigeon, Ned Beatty, Michael Keaton, John Benson, or Jody Benson, rather, John Morris. Um, and yeah, that's that. Uh, so it, Toy Story 3, if you're not familiar with the Toy Story universe, it's a universe where toys come to life when people aren't looking at them. And uh, we deal with a set of toys who've been following for the first two movies who belong to a boy named Andy. Andy's all grown up now. He's going off to college. And they're disappointed because he's 18 years old doesn't want to play with his toys anymore. And they're probably not going to go to college with him which caused lots of angst. Um, eventually they find their way through kind of some hijinks um, to a daycare, daycare center where they're being donated uh, to be used by the kids, which is being run by a 
bear named Lotso, a teddy Lots. bear, yeah, a teddy bear named Lotso, and everything seems sort of utopic, utopian and hunky dory initially. But then the kids come in and they kind of ruin the toys, and kids and and it turns out Lotso is running kind of like a uh, a little bit of a uh, I don't know. He's kind of like a he's like the boss tweet of the toy world, and they're kind of, they're finding ways to. Um, sort of escape from the daycare center and, and reconcile how what 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 their purpose is now that Andy has moved on. Um, this was your first time seeing this movie, Lars. It was. What did you think? Um, I don't honestly have like a ton of takeaways on the like quality of. The <laughs> okay, I mean, I, it's like, it's just kind it's of a weird fair. film. It's like I don't. It's unlike the last two movies. It doesn't like say something about, like, where, like, America, or, like, the great world history, you know, it's like, you were saying, um, so they find, they discover that life isn't what they seem, it's like, oh, yeah, just, like, America in the 20s, like, I'm trying to say, <laughs> I couldn't think of it, um, so I won't push it. Um, I like the character Ken. Um, he's a Ken doll. He's a Ken doll. He's so great. He's great. Um, I've, all, I've, long, I've always said that like I could watch Michael Keaton do absolutely nothing it would be the most entertaining thing in the world I just love watching him mm. and it carries in this movie it's just so mm. funny he, he voices Ken really? yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> his intro is so great where he's like ah he's groovy and he comes down like his little elevator um, he's got his little house and yeah. all his clothes <laughs> um, I, I think Sunnyside could be a cool and groovy place <laughs> I, I just think it's, like, fun and nice and, like, I don't think it says as much or, like, hits as deep as Up does, which is the other mm-hmm. Pixar nominee, like, from last year. Um, it's more just, like, fun and I just had, like, a good time watching it. Um, I also liked the aliens and the claw. Yeah. They're just, like, crying. It's, like, the, one of the funniest <laughs> things I can think of. It's just, like, an entire co- culture, like, obsessed with the claw. They all, like, run off in the garbage. And they're like, the claw. <laughs> just, like, cracks me up. And that's, like, my takeaway from this movie. What do, you, what do you think about this movie, Kathleen? So, fun fact about me. I I think we probably discussed this when we discussed up. I dislike animated movies, generally. I don't usually have, like, a desire to see them. I hate Toy Story. Why? I truly vehemently hate Toy Story, and it's one of those things that I accept most people love it, so I'm not going to, like, try to defend myself. It's a very personal thing of, like, it's always made me incredibly uncomfortable. The animation makes me incredibly uncomfortable. I think they're kind of dark movies. Like, the first one scared me as a kid. Like, stuff like that. Then it also has all of the tropes of things that I hate, no, that's not the right word. They're not tropes. But they're, like, a lot of animated movies, I feel, are, like, adventure movies, you know? And, but they constantly get sidetracked. Like, we're gonna walk down the street, but then, like, something pulls us this way, then something pulls us that way, then something pulls us this way again. So, like, to get down one block takes, like, an hour of, like, constant, like, bickering and, like, sidetracking and stuff. That drives me fucking insane. I hate that. If you've ever seen um, the movie, um, what about the one about the emotions? Inside Out. Inside Out. That's all that movie is, is constant sidetracking, and I hate it. And I think it happens so much with Toy Story, and I can't 
even like as a kid, I couldn't stand watching it. I'm like, there's ways to do this and you're doing it dumbly. Like the the, the they're clearly toys, they have no brain. They don't think anything through. They're incredibly naive. I don't think they've ever learned anything in their life. Which fine, they're toys, whatever. I hate the characters. I think they're all just like no, I don't hate all the characters. I hate Woody. I think he's just like obnoxious. You hate Tom Hanks? <laughs> I, I don't hate Tom the Hanks. Man is I, sick, Kathleen. I think we addressed that I love Tom Hanks. I think he's America's sweetheart. America's daddy. I mean. <laughs> but I just, like, cannot stand the character of Woody. He's just so self-righteous and thinks that he's always, like, correct. And everyone else is dumb and should listen to him. Which, like, no. Clearly, he does, like, he's the one who has the stupid ideas. And, like, no one else is allowed to think for themselves because Woody is thinking for them. It's very frustrating to me. I really dislike these movies. He's very earnest. He's a very earnest, straight character. So kind of like you. Yeah. I, I got what you were putting down. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so, all of that being said, like, I cannot stress enough how I dislike so much Toy Story 1, 2, and 4. I groaned the entire way through four. It was the most four. Four is not a good movie. Thing it's I not a good watch. movie. This would be actually entertaining. Oh yeah. I wouldn't oh. say <laughs> I didn't like it, mm-hmm. but I liked any of the scenes that Ken was in, and I'll leave it at that. Like this movie was worth it to me because of Ken. Same. If he if he wasn't in this movie, I would not have enjoyed any part of it. Okay, I would agree. Ken's the best part of this movie. I think that. Um. So what? I, I, this is an actual question I have. So you talk about the sidetrack thing. What makes like Lord of the Rings different then? Because Lord of the Rings is a lot of sidetracks. It's real. <laughs> <laughs> like kind of like it's real, but like I feel like it's less stupid things because okay. like for because this is like a movie that's targeted towards kids. It's not like. We're kidnapped by an evil spider, and now we have to... I don't know. Is that a part of what they're in? Yes. Okay. She lob. So... Remember the scene where he looks like a statue of the Virgin Mary? <laughs> yeah. It's like... It's like my hat got blown in the wind. And all of a sudden, I'm across town because I was chasing my hat. Blah! It, it gets a little tedious. Like, how yeah. many yeah. things they have to go through. That's, that's the right word yeah. for it. It's tedious. Well, I think, like, in movies like Lord of the Rings, where it's a little bit more, like, I wouldn't say subtle, because it's not subtle, but it's less tedious. And I also think because the characters are more tolerable. It reminds me of, like, an episode of Spongebob that was dragged out to be two hours long. Yeah. It's like, the episode of Spongebob is good because it's tight, and it's yeah. like, the, the humor is, the, like, the humor clearly works. Even yeah. as adults, we're like, you know, mom still, my mom still likes Spongebob. It's like, yeah. that's kind of funny. The bubble buddy. Um, but it's like, it's, it's, it, it, it just goes on too long with yeah. that. It gets um, really tedious. Yeah. It's a lot of like comedy set pieces yeah. and comedy set pieces have never really like worked for me. It's, it's very slapsticky. Yeah. 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 So I'll agree with that. Um, I had another point along this route, um, about the tediousness of it. Then we, oh, my other thing is like, every other scene is a scene of them like, doing things that a human can do, but they can't do it easily because they're toys, so they have to figure out how to do it because they're toys. Like, how do we open the store? 
okay, let's get this toy to jump on this toy, and it's going to launch this toy into this thing, and it's going to not go... Like, it's a lot of, like, that mousetrappy stuff mm-hmm. that it's it's just, oh, my... I don't care. If you were humans, you could just do it so much easier. I, I really cannot <laughs> stand. But, like, it's not really the story of Toy Story that I don't like. It's the viewing experience of Toy Story that I find so incredibly grating and intolerable. Okay. Well, I like this movie. <laughs> um, I so I, I hear I hear what you're saying about the tedious the tedium. Um, I, I kind of understand that, but I do think this movie is like it's kind of a, like it's like a it becomes like a prison break movie in the back half. I think it becomes like a really good prison break movie in the back half. Like the the way it's kind of plotted out and like executed, I think is like really interesting and entertaining. Um, I also love Ken, of course. Um, Spanish Buzz is funny. Um, it gets pretty old. I, yeah. I don't. I don't actually love it. I could do one scene of Spanish Buzz. Yeah. Okay. Well, I like him. Uh, I love how there's like at least a few characters in there who sound like they want to sell you like a watch, where it's just like it's like, hey, come over here, oh, like the, the phone. Oh, the phone. Yeah. Where it's like where he like you have you speak to him through the phone, yeah. but it's like as I just kind of shift around. So good, and he's like, you, you got to get rid of that monkey. Like it's just like <laughs> the like, monkey was fun, right? I like that stuff. I think is really good. Like it's the only thing where like I real I'm really into like animal humor. Yeah, like I'm also are. just into kind of like cartoon humor in that way. Um, but I do think at this at its core, I would agree with you. I don't. It, it didn't like sort of touch me as much as Up did. But like at its core, this is a movie about sort of like you. I feel like you can tell this movie was probably made by parents whose kids were leaving for college because it's about a group of people who have lost their purpose in life because their loved one is moving on. And like, that's so dark. But that's, but that's what this movie's about. Oh right? Oh Just like America in the 20th <laughs> century. Um, that's what this movie's about. And um, that's like, you know, it's, it's like a powerful thing to, to kind of like peel back and like think about. And it's also about like Lotso's whole character. Like his quote is no owners means no heartbreak. Like, you know, it's, He's, he's, it's, it's, it's like this guy who doesn't want to be hurt again and goes to like these great lengths to not be hurt again and also to do what he thinks is sparing other people from his fate. Like just like this sort of like outgrowth of like bitterness and like resentment um, that in some ways is not that and similar for like the social network now that I say it like that. It is kind of different, but I don't know. He's a communist. That's what he is. Is he a communist or is he just like a kleptocrat? What does that mean? No. A ruler who steals from his people. I mean, like everything he does is to enrich himself. That's true. Communism, but no owners. But communism is ostensibly for everyone else. Well, I don't know. Uh, Yeah. Most communisms become kleptocracies. Yeah. Anyway, um... (laughs) Captain just made a face. You make a good point there. The like, no, there is like kind of a like. You know, it could be like, well, I don't want to ever get heartbroken again, so I'm not going to be in another relationship, or mm-hmm. I don't ever want to like go through this, so I'm never going to attach to anyone again. Yeah, that's what he does. Yeah, no, and I think that's like a legitimate thing. It's a Lars thing to do. <laughs> I don't do that. Um, there's a lot of shade in this Toy Story. Um, I, I, I like I, the the Pixar movies are always like nostalgic, which kind of sucks. Like, I'm a very nostalgic person, and it just, mm. like, hurts me when things are nostalgic. Right, yeah. 
it's a reminder of like childhood and like when you're a kid it's fine because you're a kid but when you're older it's like oh i missed this morning sometime at least that's how right. what and i it feel just like kind of bumps me out i'm like well i'll never actually feel like that ever again <laughs> nothing will ever be that pure ever again oh god yeah and that, but that, i feel like that's kind of what this movie tries to like you know it's it, it, it kind of tries to wrestle with that like a little bit. It's like it, yeah. our, the relationship with Andy is never going to be the same. Right. And um, what I think what his character is doing is he's in the awkward position of trying to acknowledge that and reconcile that, but also let everyone else know that that doesn't mean it has to be hopeless and doesn't mean that they have to hate Andy, I think is what the point is. Or it's like you can be disappointed that something is ending. That doesn't mean you have to then hate and cast out that person. Woody doesn't try to teach them that. Woody tries to go with Andy. No, 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 no. He, what happens is, is Andy tries to bring Woody with him. Yeah. But, but that lets Woody see that Andy wasn't actually throwing the toys out. He was going to put them in the attic. Yeah. So he has to convince them, like, they think they were going to get thrown out because there's, like, a mix-up. Oh, I, I got you, um, got you. And so he has to be like, no, he wasn't throwing out. He was going to keep you in the attic. We were all going to be together, but they're like, no, he was going to, like, throw us out so he'd be, like, you know, melted into, like, whatever. That's the other thing. Nobody believes anyone in this movie. It's so irritating. It is. I will. I agree with that. Like, but stuff like that always... It, like, it all... It, it is very much built around misunderstanding, which yeah. is, like, a very sitcom thing to do. Yes. Um, but, like, you would never make a sitcom two hours long. Yeah. Yes. Which is... That's a great way to play. <laughs> I don't think this movie's two hours long. It's, like, an hour and a half. Still. Um, <laughs> I do think the end is, is nice. Where he yeah. goes and he plays with the little... Yeah, girl. Mm-hmm. That's sweet. And it's like we recapture our childhood through our children. Oh my god! Oh jeez. See, there's like there's deep shit in this movie. Is what I'm trying to say. It's more than just a cartoon. Oh my god! Wow. Yeah, I guess I didn't really put two and two together there. It's like when something comes at me with so much nostalgia, I like have to shut down emotionally. Yeah, and it yeah. starts to hurt. Yes. And I think I probably fell victim to that. Maybe even without knowing. And now I know. Could be. Well, okay. Well, that's Toy Story. It was nominated for anyone. I, I kind of gave myself the last word there. Does anyone else have anything to say? No, it's okay. It was nominated for Sound Anything. Uh, or won our Best Original Song for We Belong Together. Won for Best Animated Feature. Randy Newman. Not good. Right? I don't like him. He's a very talented songwriter <laughs> who I don't really, who's just not my thing. Um, nominated for Adapted Screenplay. Nominated for Best Picture. Uh, move on now to True Grit, directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen, written by Joel and Ethan Cohen, based on the novel of the same name by Charles Portis, starring Jeff Bridges, Matt Damon, Josh Brolin, Barry Pepper, and Haley Steinfeld. Uh, True Grit is the story of Maddie Ross, a 14-year-old girl whose father is murdered by a hired hand named Tom Cheney in Fort Smith, Arkansas. She goes to Fort Smith to collect the body, and much to the chagrin of all the adults in her life, to track down her father's killer. She does this by hiring the most affordable man in the land, U.S. Marshal Rooster Cogburn, a one-eyed drunk um, who's very blustery, and they they kind of set off together with Matt Damon as a Texas Ranger to capture uh, this guy. What? Uh, who wants to go first? It's a good time. It is. I love this movie. It's a good movie. <laughs> I like kind of. I have like no notes for this movie. I really don't know what to say. It's just, like, a good movie. It's just really well. It's, it, I feel that way about a lot of Coen Brothers movies, actually, where it's, like, I don't have a lot to say. This is just, like, really well made. Yeah. Um, like, I really don't, like, I, I, 
I have no complaints. Like, I know it's not, like, a five-star movie. Um, I think it's a five-star movie. But it's just, like, really good. Like, everything yeah. about it is, like, nice. And it's, like, it looks really good. It's, like, a good Western, which I don't think you get a lot now. I'm Obviously, it's a remake. Mm-hmm. So take that with a grain of salt. Um, oh, my God. Haley Steinfeld is so good in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, the fact that she was not nominated for Best she was Actress. Not. Well, no, she was nominated for Supporting. Best Actress is an insult because she is the main character. I would agree. I would, yes, yes, I would agree. <laughs> um, you know, it's got like a little bit, I, think, I feel like it's got less Coen Brothers humor than I'm used to. Um, it just, it just comes through in like a different way. Yeah. Because the language is so archaic. The way they talk is like really great though. Yeah. yeah. Um, they like set the scene very well while still making it accessible to modern audiences. Um, Matt Damon is very funny in this movie. Um, I think this is such a funny movie. It's like moderately funny. I think it's funny. I don't. I don't think it's like. I, I don't, like I'm not. I do not know movie. this man. I think it's pretty funny. I think I. Th- I just think that I like. I've been talking to um, Milo, and for the listeners, Milo's like my boyfriend. Um, that I like the thing that really gets me about like humor is like delivery. I really love a good delivery. And I think that, like, the humor in this is just delivered well. It's not, like, jokey, silly stuff. It's just, like, just just good delivery. I think this is a very funny movie. Yeah. It, it, well, it, the delivery works because it's so deadpan. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very straight. I would agree, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think this movie, like... What I think it does, it's it's like, I feel like it's this kind of reconciliation between, you know, the idea of, like, the revisionist Western, where it's like, well, we, we told all these cowboy stories about the Old West, and we kind of idealized it, but really, it was this really nasty, violent, racist place. Um, but it's a reconciliation, I think, between that attitude and the idea of, like, oh, there is, like, genuine heroism. And it's like Rooster Cogburn, for all his faults, becomes, like, a genuinely heroic figure. Like, he saves... Like, that whole last scene where he's, like, she gets bit by the snake and he's, like, raising her to, like, wherever he has to get her, like, that, uh, that's, uh, you know, that's, like, powerful. And, it's like, he starts as this crusty old man who whose heart is softened by this young girl and not in, like, a corny, cheesy way, just through being together and through seeing the length she was going to go to bring her father's killer justice. Um, it's, it's, like, this sort of, it's at once a commentary on kind of, like, the Old West story and also a vindication of it, I guess. Yeah, it's and the the villain in it almost doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. it's Josh Brolin, which is like, oh, cool. Yeah. Um, but it's like I actually always forget that he's in this, and I always kind of forget. Like, obviously, they're going after something, but it's like it's kind of irrelevant. Mm-hmm. It's just like the journey and the characters are the story, and it's like when she finally gets like wins. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's a pretty quick jump from that to her getting a snake in her boot, mm-hmm. but. Um, it kind of doesn't matter. It's not really about that, mm-hmm. even though it is totally about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I would agree, yeah. It, it's just like, yeah, there's not a lot to say about this movie that's just like really, really well made. And I think like in a way it's like maybe a little like, you know, do you get like the Vovovich without this? Like do you get sort of like mm-hmm. the language in that without True Grit? Um, do you get like the lighthouse, which is also directed by the same guy? Like about that, I feel like it's kind of kicked off a little bit of a trend of like 
having characters not speak like people from like the 21st century, but also but speak like you know of their people of their time. And also just create this like environment where like the cones just really wanted to make westerns for a while. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, I just like the I think it's the language is nice. It like it doesn't it it, it expects the audience to be smart enough or trust mm-hmm. the audience to be like you're listening and you better be listening because we're going to talk really fast and in an old accent. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we were listening. I was listening. I was listening. I'll listen to anything that Damon says. <laughs> it cracks me that he's in this movie. I, like, constantly forget that he's in this movie. And his character is just, like, a little buffoonish. Mm-hmm. It's nice. He's just such a, like, a dweeb. He's like, I'm yeah. a Texas Ranger. Yeah. <laughs> I love the, I love like, the, I love the little... your character, Lars. What? He's like you. Okay. <laughs> I love the little jabs where Chicago gets off at him where he's like... Oh, it's, where it's like he, like, bites his tongue through and he's like, well, it's not going to make him stop talking anytime yeah. soon. <laughs> And it's like, it's like, yeah, it's like if I met every Texas Ranger who had to drink dirty water from a hoof print. Yeah. Like, yeah. Very, You uh, should meet the guy in 127 hours. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you ever have to drink your own piss? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, good. Are, are we done talking about True Grit? I feel yeah. like we can touch on it a lot. Um, it was nominated for costume design, cinematography, art direction, sound mixing, sound editing, Adapted screenplay. Haley Seinfeld was nominated for supporting actress. Unjustly should have been actress. And she didn't even win. No. She should have. Jeff Bridges was nominated for supporting actor. Uh, Joel Nathan Cohen was nominated for best director and was nominated for best picture. Closing things out with Winter's Bone. Cheery. Directed by Deborah Granick, Written by Deborah Granick and Anne Rossellini. Uh, based on the novel of the same name by Daniel Woodroll. Starring Jennifer Lawrence, John Hawks, Kevin Bresnahan, Dale Dickey, Garrett Dillahunt, Cheryl Lee, and Tate Taylor. Uh, Winter's Bone is the story of Reed Dolly, a 17-year-old girl living in the Ozarks of Missouri, um, whose father is a meth dealer slash cooker who is out on bail. This is a problem because he put his uh, property up as bond, and no one can seem to find where he is. So if he doesn't make his court date, that means that Reed, her two young brother and sister, or her two young siblings, a brother and a sister, and her sort of somewhat... Um, Lucid. Lucid, yeah, like very ill mother. Is she ill? I think she's Ill, mentally ill. Like, she's a Yeah, uh, will we'll be kicked off of their land. And basically just the story of her going around this very rural community in Missouri trying to find her dad and the people who are very like suspicious of her and don't, don't want her to find her dad. Um, what did you think, Kathleen? Loki loved this movie. Really? Yeah. Oh, I wasn't expecting that. Loki loved it. Like, and I think mostly, like, I like a good just wandering around movie. Like, we're just, like, going to focus on the character. And she doesn't get sidetracked. She doesn't get sidetracked. She's <laughs> very direct. She, she has a goal. She does everything in her power to reach that goal. Really proud of her. Really impressed. Um, she probably teach Woody a thing or two. Um, but I, I think that part of, part of it is that, like, this is a community that I feel like you don't see a lot in pop culture. It's a very unique, like, set of people and circumstances and, you know, I don't know. Just, like, it's a unique area that's not highlighted enough, so, or a lot. So I think I just enjoyed, like, watching what that looks like. This, like, very rural community where everybody kind of has a secret. um, And just the personalities in that, I think I really, really enjoyed watching. Just kind of, like, 
learning about that through the, through the lens of this movie. Is it accurate? Who knows? But it's, like, interesting to watch. Um, but I, I do, like, a good kind of, like, a... I wouldn't even put, like, Lady Bird up in, against that, too, where it's just, like... They're just kind of going about and doing their thing. And then just, like, they meet characters and things like that. And they're just responding to the things, like... They're just, like, living life. And they're responding to the things that are coming their way. And it just so happens that she needs to, like, find her father else. She's going to get evicted. That's, like, her life. So she has to go live it. And I like movies like that. Um, so I like this. I think she did a really good job. Mm-hmm. Kind of, like, her and Haley Steinfeld. Mm-hmm. Like... Where did their careers go? Well, Jennifer Lawrence was, like, the most famous actress in America for, like, five years. Yeah, but I don't think she did anything, like, good again. Did The Hunger Games. But was she good again? Silver Lines Playbook. She won an Oscar for Silver Lines Playbook. Oh, true. She's miscast in American Hustle, but she's fine in it. She's basically made a lot of David or Russell movies. Maybe I just personally don't enjoy her. She hasn't done anything in, like, a while. In, like, the last, like, three or four years. Uh, The X-Men's. Oh. Yeah. Maybe I just don't personally enjoy her acting. Well, I feel like like public opinion soured on her. Yeah, she she was overhyped for a long time. She was America's sweetheart for a little bit, and then people decided they didn't like her as much. Yeah, Haley Steinfeld is a musician now. I know. She was in a movie called The Age of Seventeen, which is good, and she's good in it. We should watch that movie. Okay. Um. Um. Anyway, I think that she's really really good in this movie, and I think that most people in this movie are really good in this movie, um, especially. Um, the horse that she gives away. <laughs> great acting. <laughs> she did a great job being a horse. Good job, Clip Clop. Um, I love everyone's names in this. Teardrop. Teardrop. Um. So what was Thump? Is that another one? That, that was like the, the guy she was trying to get. She was, he was like the old guy at the, the like cattle auction. Oh, yeah. Thump. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I just like this movie. Floyd. It's just a good movie. I just like it. Oh, that's all I got to say. What do you think, Lars? Uh, yeah. Um, I, I do think it's like kind of um, misery porn, pun intended. <laughs> um, it's like a little... Because Missouri sounds like misery. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, it's... Like, it is very... Um, it, it's weird that this is like a mo- movie that takes place in like a modern time, right? So mm-hmm. this is ostensibly the present. Um, I think it's kind of ahead of its time in showing the like desolation of this. Like, if this movie were to be made today, there would be like a hundred think pieces about like what this means in the Trump era. Yeah, it, right? I couldn't stop thinking of hillbillyology. Yeah, exactly. Where it, it's very yeah, yeah. Um, it's like it, I, I wouldn't call it like prescient because I don't think it's ever not like the Ozarks. Or not the Ozarks in general are not like a, a affluent place. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like ahead of its time in that. No, like a lot of people feel kind of talk about this kind of community now. Right, they weren't in twenty ten. Right, um, we find out where Cheryl Lee's been hiding for like twenty <laughs> years. She plays Laura Palmer in Twin Peaks. Um, there she is. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I was talking with our friend Lewis about this movie mm. like yesterday. <laughs> We're talking is like so the end of the movie, right? It's like that boat scene really goes like zero to fourteen real <laughs> yeah. quick. Yeah, um, <laughs> you should. It is, so basically, wild. what happens is it turns out it turn. This is a spoiler podcast, right? We've all agreed on that. Yes. yes. It turns out her father's been killed because he was snitching on people to get a, a lighter sentence. Snitches get stitches, and they they dumped his body in a lake. So in order to prove that he's dead, they bring her. They bring Jennifer Lawrence out on a rowboat 
with a chainsaw and say, here, cut off his hands. And she cuts off one of his hands and then she goes, and the one who brings her out there goes, no, you have to cut off the other one too because the police will just assume he cut off his one hand to make it look like he's dead. They've definitely seen that happen before. Like, she's just like, they know that trick. Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> which means her plan is to eventually walk into a police station with two hands. Which, which is what she, she does. what she does. And it's, it's just like, <laughs> how would you like to be that, that officer on duty? Um, it was like, it was like that. It's like kind of humorous. Like it's not meant to be, but it like, I found it like kind of funny. Just like how we were all just like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, a very quiet movie. And all of a sudden like chainsaw. Right, and it's like, oh my, oh, they're really going to do that? Okay, yeah. that's that's unnecessary. Well, and, like, the way, like, the woman's just like, how are you going to get to her hand, his hands? It's, like, yeah. very, like... It's like, you got to go deeper. Just grab, yeah. just grab for yeah. it, just reaching in yeah. the water at night. Wait, just, like, the stupidest thing, it's, like, they make her both hold his hand and cut it off. Well, I think the other person yeah, the other cuts person it off. Because uh, she tells her to, and... She's like, she won't. Yeah. She won't, yeah. Um... Yeah, it looks it looks really good. Like I it think, does. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I wish movies looked more like this and less like House of Cards. Like I, yeah. this has like more of like a naturalistic. Like I feel like I'm watching real people and not like. Sometimes I feel like some modern movies. Like I feel like these are just like kind of wax figures walking around. Yeah, I feel like it is. I mean, the, the whole point is that's like gritty and realistic. Yeah, and like it's really well cast. Like these people look like they're just from the middle of nowhere, Missouri. Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence just gets too nice, but um, I guess. But like, but like her friend, I feel like, um, yeah. Like e- e- the people who are like ostensibly the like the town beauties are like yeah. very like what you like. They are like a, people are very attractive. I'm not saying anything like that. Just, it's just like what you would expect. Yeah, it's like, in, like that. People. They're not right, like they're right. not like supermodels. It's not. Yeah, exactly. It's not like I'm trying to think of. Like, like Natalie Portman is not like the town hottie, right? Yeah. It's, it's someone who's just playing. It's like girl next door, but like girl next farm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. like twenty miles down the road. Yeah. yeah, with a meth addiction. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like so. I, I guess I like like I generally like this movie. I think. Like, I feel like the setting is so well rendered and, like, you know, made. But I feel like it kind of falls in this trap that I feel like a lot of other indie movie, quote-unquote indie movies, fall into. Where, like, I feel like it kind of becomes its setting. And I felt like, I don't know, I just feel like, I didn't feel like there was, like, a lot of, like, momentum or tension going on at certain points. And it was just kind of ambling about. And, like, it definitely felt like it was holding back a lot. I think subtlety is very important in movie making, but I still I I, I, some, I feel like it held back like maybe a little too much. And there was just like except for that last part, except for that last part, it just felt like there was like it felt like it was relying very much on like the novel the novelty of its setting and its photography and just the naturalistic feel of things, um, and it, it left like a little meat on the bone as far as like stuff playing out on screen went. I'm not like, it didn't have to be like Breaking Bad, but like, I just felt like there was like a little, but and again, I think that's kind of the point, right? Is that like, you know, real life meth world isn't like Breaking Bad. It's just like really bored and depressed people in the middle of nowhere with nothing better to do and who have kids at like 17. Yeah. It made me very grateful for the life I lead. Mm-hmm. I will, like where she's, ugh, 
Yeah. But I, I, it's just it's just so like sad that these women mm. and they're like getting married to these like shitty guys. Yeah. And they all have like three children already. Mm. And it's just like it makes me like so and like the best that like all they have to like do is go home, tend to like multiple children and like watch TV and play video games in their little like trailer. It's just like very desolate. Yeah. It is in some ways like a little bit like just like the rural precious. Yeah. I, I was thinking about that. I it thought Precious like, was yeah. much more dark and disturbing. Um, not this movie wasn't dark, but like it's it kind of it's it's it's, it's like and that like and that kind of leads me to part of my problem with it is that it feels like a little leering at points Ooh. and a little like instead of matter of fact being like this is Romans are just like like it, it it begins with like shots of of the kids playing and like this song about Missouri, this wistful song about Missouri being sung in the background. I don't know. It, it felt like it was a little. I wouldn't say it's like fetishistic, but it's like a little like ah, welcome to Missouri. Like I don't know. Yeah, it was very much like it was. It very much had the perspective of taking someone who is not part of that community, sort of like speaking to the. I felt generic, well-heeled indie film fan and bringing them into a less privileged community. I I don't. Do you know anything about Deborah Granick? This I, is one of the few female directed. Yes, this, this year is. is a rarity in that two female directed yeah. movies were nominated. Um, the kids are all right in the other one. Yeah, is she? Um, I, I, I don't know what her. I don't know what her story is. She's from Cambridge, Massachusetts. Okay, so no. <laughs> <laughs> big note. She, she went. She, she went. She went to Brandeis and NYU Film School. So. Oh, big note. So, yeah. Um, cool. But maybe the guy who wrote the book is from there. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Um, cool. Yeah, okay, so Winter's Bone. Um, when this was nominated, it was the lowest grossing film to ever be nominated for Best Picture. It was nominated for adapted screenplay. John Hawks, who plays Teardrop, was nominated for Sporting Actor. Jennifer Lawrence was nominated for Actress, and it was nominated for Best Picture. Okay, <clears throat> you are a voting member of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. You are given a ballot that lists the following films for Best Picture. 127 Hours, Black Swan, The Fighter, Inception, The Kids Are All Right, The King's Speech, The Social Network, Toy Story 3, True Grit, and Winter's Bone. How do you rank them? Remember, we are ranking them because at this point in time, the Academy has moved to a rank choice voting uh, format. Um, so you rank them from 1 to 10 in, in order of your preference. Um, we'll go around the bend. Let's start with Lars, your number 10 film. The Fighter. That movie sucks. <laughs> Kathleen. I don't think I agree with my list, but I'm going to just stick with it. Do you want to do a quick revision while I say my number 10? Yeah. My, I also have The Fighter's number 10. I don't dislike as much as you, but it's like, eh. Yeah. I would say The Fighter. Have a pen. Yeah. I want to okay. make some notes. Um, <laughs> number nine. Winter's Bone. Oh, I had The Kids Are All Right. Oh. Okay. I have 127 hours. <laughs> all right. I have The Kids All Right. As number eight, except first place for Clay. Okay. <laughs> Love Clay. Best, best character. Best, best character. character. I, I had Winter's Bone at number eight. I have The Kids Are All Right. Number eight. Uh, Toy Story 3 for number seven. I have 127 hours for number, for number seven. I have Toy Story 3. I have 127 hours for number six. I have Toy Story 3 for number six. I have Winter's Bone. All right. So we've all got the same top five. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right, number five. I have this year's winner... The King's Speech. As do I have The King's Speech for number five. I will say the same. The King's Speech. Then I got True Grit number four. I also have True Grit number four. All right. All right. 
I'm going to go with True Grit number four. <laughs> All right. I got Black Swan in number three. I have Black Swan in number three. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, Black Swan. All right. <laughs> All right. Combo and tag. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. You ready? Mm-hmm. I hope this doesn't break it, but I don't think it will. Number two, I have Inception leaving Social Network in number one. Inception number two and Social Network number one. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I didn't want to put Social Network as number one, but I'm gonna go with it. Yes, it's, it, it's. I feel like Social Network is kind of like there will be blood, where we watch, it, we're like, you know, this, this, like, even though it might not be our favorite per se, it has to be number one. Yeah, it's just like good. Yeah, and I it's, like, it's like overwhelmingly good. Yeah, I think like I overwhelmingly when good. I ranked these really quickly before we began this podcast because I forgot to today. Um, I had a very different order. But I definitely ordered it in, like, what I enjoyed watching most. But then talking them through again, I was just kind of like, oh, god damn it, Social Network is actually really good. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So, Social Network wins. I'm so pumped. Right. That, that was, was awesome. That <laughs> we all had the same exact top five, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Well, uh, we didn't do this in our last part two episode, regrettably, but um, were there any movies released in 2010 that should have been nominated for Best Picture that weren't? I think I only have one, and yeah. I don't even know that it should have been. Like, Scott Pilgrim is a really good movie. I, I would say Scott Pilgrim is I love world. Scott Pilgrim. Um, like, I, 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 never, I could never see the Oscars nominating it, mm-hmm. um, but that would be what I would... I would put that instead of The Fighter easily. Yeah. Um, Scott Pilgrim. The only other one I really had is The Town, the ben, directed by Ben Affleck, starring Ben Affleck, about bank robbers in Boston. Actually, one of my favorite movies. It's really good. Yeah. If you really want to get nuts, you could also say uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1. I don't want to get that nuts. Okay. <laughs> if you want to get even more nuts, you could say Shutter Island. I really don't want to get that My nuts. name is Teddy, Teddy Daniels. Okay. Thanks so much for listening to the Real Life Oscar podcast. Challenge, rather. Real Life Oscar Challenge. Um, I'm Michael Vitter. You can find me on Twitter at Ameramike and in, uh, I said Instagram. Letterbox. No, I'm Letterbox at Ameramike, Twitter at Emlevito. I'm Lars Emerson. You can find me on Letterboxd at Lars Emerson. I'm Kathleen Novito. You can find me on Instagram at Parody of a Queen and Rise to the Sun. Um, you can find all of our writing on thepostwriter.com, where you can also find our other podcasts, a uh, thing like that, which is about Mad Men, Kathleen and I do it, and Running Mates, which is about Vice Presidents. Lars and I do it. Um, follow this podcast and those other ones on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcasts. I saw that. Thanks so much for listening. And, um, yeah. Stay healthy. Stay Stay healthy. Stay safe. Stay indoors.